Hey everybody. So our teaching from Sunday morning this week did not get recorded. And I really want it to be on the podcast as part of this series. So I'm going to go ahead and give it for those of you who weren't at Sunday morning and maybe you're following along on the teaching series. Um, I wanted to be able to, to let you hear this. So I'm just going to go through it. Um, you won't have the amazing jokes that I normally have. <laughs> just kidding. Um, and we did play a game too, but you're not going to be able to be part of that. So, but, um, so we've been talking for the last couple of weeks about course correction and how our words, uh, and like James refers to our words being like the rudder to a ship. And so our words actually direct the course of our lives. And you think about how important what we say and how we say it um, is in our relationships and how every part of our life is connected to relationships. And so what we say really impacts every part of our life. So we talked the first week about, you know, just becoming aware, paying attention to what we say. And then the next week we talked about, um, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remember, we, we, we said that out loud together a bunch. And hopefully this past week, you've been thinking about that quick to listen, slow to speak, listening to understand first, and then be understood, right? Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. And so, you know, that verse doesn't say be quick to listen and never speak. It says be quick to listen and slow to speak. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about now, as we are slow to speak, what is coming out of our mouths. And that's what I want to start talking about today. Um, So first off, I just want you to ask yourself, like, have you ever regretted anything that you've said? (laughs) The answer, obviously, is yes. We've all regretted something we've said. Um, Recently, I... You know, what, you may not know this, but one of my issues that I can deal with at times is anger. And I know, like probably many of you, there are times when the anger gets the best of me. And so, um, I was in a in a situation where I was, you know, talking to somebody in my family, and and I just got really upset. And so I left the I left the conversation to give myself a second to cool down. And um, apparently, I did not give myself a long enough time because my, I came back into the conversation ready to to you know be under control. And for whatever reason, I just lost my temper and I just yelled and I, and I said something I didn't mean and I kicked a fan. Um, we had this fan on the ground. And I just kicked it across the room and broke the fan and um, not my greatest moment. Maybe some of you can relate. <laughs> um, but you know that is the kind of power that we have with our words and with our actions when anger, for instance, gets control of us. So let's think about some of those negative ways we can use words besides just anger like do you ever complain like have you ever have you ever been someone who you, you know complains about some of the things that once you think about it it's just so stupid you think about like i complain about the weather like why am i complaining about the weather that's so stupid um recently i was trying to buy a new monitor for um my my work my office in my home for the church and um you know, there's this thing that is a new thing. It's called choice anxiety, <laughs> choice anxiety. And it, it's never existed before, but now because we have this society where we can have so many different things, we have this thing called choice anxiety. So I like, I bought a monitor and it didn't work. And I bought another monitor recommended by a friend. And then I, this f- same friend was like, you know, maybe you should get a bigger monitor. You know, I really think like if you're going to spend money, get this bigger one. And it's like, okay, well, ma-. so I bought the bigger one. So all of a sudden, I had three monitors sitting here in my house, and I was trying to figure out which one to use. And I was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I actually went upstairs, and I started complaining to Mandy. Man, I just it's so hard to decide which one of these monitors I should keep. <laughs> How stupid is that? I mean, really, 
How stupid is that? And so I realized, like, this is just such a stupid problem. And anyway, I, I picked the, the middle one and kept it and sent the other two back. But, you know, are you, are you someone who complains a lot? Do you complain about your, your spouse or your kids or your workplace or uh, your health or whatever? Like, and then you see someone else who's in a different, worse situation. You realize how stupid complaining is. How about being critical or negative? Like, are you someone who's always confined what's wrong and says it? Like, if someone comes to you with a new idea and you say the first 10 wrong things that come to your mind instead of like, like the proverb says, you know, put a guard on my mouth and just be, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And, or are you just someone who's just critical, just negative? Like, like, I just, I don't know why, but I'm just negative. And I just say negative things about people, about situations, or, or maybe you're someone who struggles with gossiping. Like, I know gossiping's so fun, isn't it? It just sucks you in. And recently, I was talking to a friend, and I was just saying something about someone else, and I just stopped and realized, like, this is gossip. This is the definition of gossip, what I'm about to do. And it was hard to, like, stop in the moment, even though I knew it. Maybe it's lying. You know, maybe it's you, you're saying something that isn't true, you're exaggerating. It could be being mean. I mean, honestly, a lot of this is built into our culture, and, and it's, it, it's even kind of seen to not be that big of a deal, but God actually has a different opinion, and I want to look at this passage in Ephesians 4. starts in verse 25, okay? So, sorry, that's so disgusting. I had to take a drink <laughs> for all of you listening in your car or while you're running. Um, okay, so Ephesians 4.25, he says this, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. What he's starting off here talking about, and where I want, why I want to go back, because this isn't where we're going to land, but this is where we're starting. He's really saying, listen, when you become a follower of Jesus, you separate yourself from the way the world does things. You separate yourself from the way the culture does things. And we are called out of the world. We're called to be a light. We're called to shine in the darkness. We're called to be a city set on a hill. And so there's this otherness that's supposed to be about those who follow Jesus. I listened to a fascinating, been listening to a fascinating podcast um, and, and listening to this author named Mark Sayers, and he's been talking about how um, when the church kind of decided in the last 50 years to become more culturally relevant from a missional point of view, that that was really like, th there's a lot of good about that. And obviously our church is missional, is, uh, missional and culturally relevant. So I believe in those ideas and those concepts. But he said, that there's this temptation where as we seek to be cool or accepted by the culture, we can actually be colonized by the culture, that we can be indoctrinated by the culture instead of us influencing the culture, that we become influenced by the culture. And there's that's just such a powerful reality, and I think it's e something each of us as followers of Jesus needs to keep our eye on. Are we influencing the culture we live in, or are we being influenced? Which is carrying the greater impact? Are you changing those around you or being a positive influence on those around you? Or are you being impacted? Are you changing? Is your heart, like this says, is your heart being hardened? Are you being separated from the life of God? Or are you being drawn closer to the life of God? And are you being colonized by the world? So that's kind of where he starts with this. And then he says, listen, that, however, is not the way of life that you have learned. 
that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Oh, sorry, I skipped the line. All right. This is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. This is the image of like taking your clothes off. So when you follow Jesus, you take off the old self because in Jesus, you've been made new. You are a new creation. He goes on to say, put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and be made new in the attitude of your minds. Put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, this is the whole point. Following Jesus is not about just um, agreeing to a certain set of beliefs so that you can get into heaven. Like Jesus didn't come to earth to say, say like, listen, just believe these things. Check these few boxes and you're in. You get to come to heaven and that's all I care about. He's more interested in you becoming like Jesus. You and I, the, the salvation experience is it begins and then continues through our journey of faith on earth. John Orberg says it this way in his book, Eternity is Now in Session. He says, salvation isn't about getting you into heaven. It's about getting heaven into you. It's not about relocation. It's about transformation. It's not about what God wants to do to you. It's about what God wants to do in you. It's about allowing Jesus' kingdom life to permeate our little lives one moment and one choice at a time. See, that's so beautiful. It's about getting heaven into you. That's what we're talking about. He's saying, take off the old self. Take off, don't be deceived into the way the world does relationships and the way the world does talk and speech and communication. Take off the old self and be transformed. Let heaven get into you. How would Jesus speak to each other? And this is, then he gets specific and he starts to go down the list. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And again, this is the emphasis I've been making. Why does this matter? Why does speaking to one another matter? It's because people matter to God. Our speech matters because people matter to God. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. He's saying the reason you have to do this is because we're all members of one body. Then he moves on. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He's saying anger can, their anger is an emotion that can be godly, but it can be used to harm. So don't use anger to hurt others. In Ephesians 5, 4, which is just a couple verses forward, I want to fast forward a couple of verses because he says one more thing and then I'm going to come back. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. Listen, this is hard for me. I don't like this because I love to joke. And sometimes coarse joking is fun. But there's something in here saying, listen, I challenge you in your joking. Even obscenity, like... I know like a lot of Christians, including myself, struggle with like what is really cursing and curse words are just a social construct. And But like anytime that you say something, would you just consider would I say this with Jesus? Or could I, could I imagine Jesus standing next to me telling this joke to me? And it, he sums it up here. He says, listen, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. That's a high standard, but that is the biblical standard for speech. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? By speaking unwholesome words. It grieves the Spirit of God that's in you. This is why in James we read last week and the week before about how he says, you, with this mouth you praise God and with it you curse humans 
This should not be so. Can a spring of clean water, fresh water, also produce salt water? No. And that's why he's saying that, listen, you're not meant, the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're not meant to use that to harm others. Get rid, throw away, discard all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. And then he ends with this. Listen, instead, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. This is the way that I'm calling you to walk just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And again, he redefines love. You say, well, I'm going to walk in the way of love. I'm going to love the people that are nice to me. He said, no, the way of love is defined by how Christ loved us. This is so powerful, guys. This is such an incredible verse. So what I really want to land on here is that do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that that is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The Greek word for unwholesome talk there is sapros, which means corrupt or rotten. It's primarily used of rotten vegetable or animal substances. Let me ask you a question. Like, have you ever opened the fridge and found rotten food in your fridge? <laughs> it, how do you know? It smells bad. You would never eat this. You would never digest this. No one, if a friend came over to your house, you would never look in your food cabinet and find a rotten banana and some putrefied like broccoli and lettuce and put you know some like two week old meat that has mold growing on it and put it on a plate and say, "Hey, I'm so glad you're here." But that's what we're doing when we communicate unwholesome words. When I say to you, I'm so proud of you. You've done such a great job. Thank you for what you've done. Those are words that benefit you. That's like giving you real, healthy, nutritious food. But when I'm like, what is your problem? I'm so frustrated. I can't believe you did that. Son, you're always messing up. You always make that mistake. If I speak words of manipulation, if I speak words of anger that are not beneficial, if I speak gossip, listen, did you hear what so-and-so did? I can't believe. They are so, can you believe you're just feeding the people that are listening to you putrefied, rotten, disgusting words, and it's going to make you both sick. Rotten words spoil relationships. Rotten words spoil relationships. Listen, when you speak those unwholesome words, they are rotten and they, they affect you and they affect others. I did research on a couple different articles on psychology today. And there's a few things that you can learn. We spend about 52 minutes a day gossiping. And the negative gossip creates problems in both the gossiper and the gossipee. <laughs> Listen, it makes us both anxious and depressed. Isn't that interesting? Both people involved show signs of anxiety or depression. They can be especially strong for the person who's listening or the person who's getting gossiped about. Right? It's something that's so easy to stop. This is why Proverbs 16, 28 says that a gossip separates close friends because, listen, rotten words spoil relationships. The same is true of anger. There's an article I read that talks about some of the short and long-term health problems. This is for you when you are angry, when you're nursing that anger and talking and speaking in anger. You can have a headache, digestion, abdominal pain, insomnia, anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, heart attack, stroke. I mean, it shouldn't be news, but like, Anger is bad for you. 
And when we use anger on others, this is one article is talking about how anger can create in children more aggressiveness, both physically and verbally, more anxiety, low self-esteem. See, this is why it says in James 1 that we should not only be slow to speak, but slow to become angry because anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Rotten words spoil relationships. Let's look at another one, lying. Here's another article I read. Lying, it blocks intimacy. It leads to more lies. And guy says, you know, honestly, um, lying is not simply outright lying. Deception includes making ambiguous or vague statements, telling half-truths, manipulating information through emphasis, exaggeration, minimization, withholding feelings or information that's important to someone. See, the reason this is, is it affects your relationship because you deprive that person of the freedom to choose. It creates anxiety and guilt in you. It changes your self-concept and how you think of yourself. It leads you to hide who you are. See, we could go on. We could go on. We could go on to all the other things we've talked about, all the other unwholesome words, because listen, this is just true. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, this is something that is true. It's applicable to your life. Rotten words spoil relationships. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only, listen, this is what we should be aiming for. And we're going to be talking about this in two weeks. Only what is helpful for building others up. So are your words upbuilding? Are they beneficial? And are they helpful? Are they helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen? Are they upbuilding, helpful, or beneficial for the people that are listening? That should be our standard. Or is what you're saying rotten? And if it's rotten, what this verse says is get rid of it. Take out the trash out of your verbal... Um, you know, your verbal smorgasbord that you're offering to people. When I speak to you, I have an opportunity to give you goodness, to give you these, this, this blessing, this love, this encouragement, but I can so easily just dump trash in there too. And like we talked about the first week, one negative takes five positives to erase. So I just want to just encourage you this week to think about this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that is upbuilding, beneficial, and helpful. Upbuilding, beneficial, and helpful. Because rotten words spoil relationships. But you and I, we have the power to choose the impact that our words have. And we can course correct right now. If you're someone who's negative, you can course correct right now in your life. This is a choice you can start to work on. Having upbuilding, beneficial, positive, helpful words. If you are someone who's negative or someone who gossips or someone who struggles with lying, listen. This is something you can work on. You can't do this on your own. But you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you and strengthen you and make it a point of emphasis in your life. So let's be people who take the trash out get rid of the rotten words in our lives. I hope this has been challenging and encouraging for you. Listen, next week we're going to talk about how the heart comes into play and what we can do to change our hearts too and how our heart affects what comes out of our mouths. So really excited for that. I hope you can make it um, and I hope you have a great week.